millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better. Like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome back to a very sombre Worker Report Extra podcast. It has been confirmed. We haven't achieved our goal of automatic promotion and we face the complete lottery that is the League One playoffs. Things seem a little bit despondent on your side. I sound a little bit sad as well. But following that draw at home to Pompey, which actually wasn't a bad performance, it was a completely unacceptable away, de- away defeat Sorry, to Fleetwood Town last night. It's left a lot of fans questioning Jack Ross if he's the right man for the job. And I suppose quite rightly so. There has been mistakes. I'm not on that particular fence. Um, I'm very much Jack Ross in as it currently stands. But of course, I am very much disappointed as well. And I think questions do need to be asked. But before we do head into the playoff semi-final and hopefully the final, we've got one last league game away at Southend United. Now, for us, it may be a little bit of a dead rubber from a Sunderland perspective, but it's a very, very, very different story for Southend. A defeat, I believe, to ourselves could see them plummet out of League One. So previewing Saturday's game with us is Liam from Southend Fanzine, all at sea. I imagine you're a bit more nervous than we are about Saturday. How are you feeling? Uh, not not great. So uh, it's interesting to hear you call Fleetwood an unacceptable loss. Um <laughs> uh, I just thought that your use of language there was interesting. We've had, if you count, if you count out the number of unacceptable losses we've had this year, you can tell why we're at the bottom of the league. Um, I'm not, I'm not feeling confident. You got that was the fourth loss you've had all year, wasn't it? All season, rather. So yeah. I'm not feeling especially good. This is our worst home record in something like 30 years. Um, we are awful. We we are. Um, the, the the turning point in our season was when we lost uh, Ben Coker when we played you guys actually uh, back in I think November or end of October or something like that. And since then, 
Um, we've just been absolutely hammered by injuries and poor refereeing. I'm sure you've seen the standard of refereeing. Tired oh, yes. players. Michael Turner is 35 or 36 years old. You had him a few years ago. And he, I mean, he moves like a World War II tank. He just he did then. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's not gotten any quicker. He's, I can tell you that. Um, and he's been, he's been holding that defence together for nigh on the whole season. Uh, it's not, he shouldn't be singled out for blame. No one can really be singled out for blame. But in all honesty, it, it doesn't look good for us. A, a loss sees us definitely down. A draw sees it out of our hands and we're, li- re- we're relying on other results. Uh, and a win will see us safe. But um, yeah, our form this year doesn't bode well for us. It's kind of hard not to notice it, despite the fact that for the past few months, it's been like automatics, playoffs, poor, like poor performances from us. We, we've always been like near that top six the, the whole season. And then I looked at like 12th all the way down to 24th a few weeks ago and anyone could have been relegated. Oh, so- it's a mess. So Plymouth were 12th and now they're in the relegation zone. Scunthorpe were 16th, maybe 14th, something like that. And they're below Plymouth. It's a mess. The whole thing is a total mess. Um, the the race the the league is it's a really really interesting division because as you will have seen with the chat I know you've been in and out of the championship over like the last ten years or so um, although you had a fair stay in the Premiership anyone can win that division and League One is quite similar there yeah. are teams that you would expect to be at the top and teams that you would expect to be at the bottom but Luton you know it's just it's all about momentum like like any division outside of the Premier League where the money all is it's all about momentum so Luton just started really really well and they just never fallen away Shrewsbury were there last year but they fell away at the last and and just couldn't and couldn't get it over the line you guys are finding it difficult because um or you guys have found it difficult because everyone tries their hardest against Sunderland you're, I, you know, you, you are expected to be at the top of the division. You should be aiming for automatic promotion. You have come within a cat's whisker of doing it, but but everyone tries their hardest. It was the Sheffield United found found the same problem. No one, no one half asses it against the top team. No, and we have we have found that. Truth be told, I mean, there's been a few games. Southend at home being one of them where we've. We've just kind of steamrolled the teams, but it's been a while since we've done it. Like we did Rochdale at the start of the season, Scunthorpe at the start of the season. But then since the turn of the year, since we've actually lost Josh Madger and replaced him with Will Grigg, not that it's directly his fault, but our our style of play seemed to have changed and something's just gone a little bit wrong. But uh, that, that, that would be a long podcast if you could pick apart what, what's recently gone wrong since January. But as unhappy as... We are at the moment uh, the way our season's currently gone or or is going. Um, that relegation battle, like you said, is absolutely crazy. I mean, throughout yeah. the season, has there ever been a point where you you felt like completely safe? Uh, so I will tell you something. I was looking through our WhatsApp chat for the uh, fanzine editorial team, and on the fifth, we were due to do a we were due to have a fanzine out at the beginning of February, and I text everyone on the mid. January saying our season has petered out. We probably only need to do one more issue this year. So, and at that point, our form dropped off a cliff. We we won uh, we won the other week against Burton at home. That and the previous uh, victory was on New Year's Day. So um, we we felt safe in around January, but that was when players started to get tired, and that was when we didn't have those fre- because of the injuries we've had. We didn't have the fresh legs to change anything. Um, 
we we have spent a grand total of like what two weeks maybe not counting the very first games of the season we've spent probably about two weeks in the relegation zone and it doesn't feel we definitely don't feel safe now the way that the fixture fixtures have fallen at the bottom even feels like that's bad luck as well scunthorpe play plymouth which means that if one of those teams win they survive and that will be pretty much regardless, unless unless we beat you guys, that will be, which I can't see happening, in all honesty, that will be at the expense of Walsall and that will be at the expense of the other team in that fixture and that will be at the expense of us. Um, it's still a mess now. Wimbledon could still, Wimbledon are on 49 points, they could still go down and Walsall on 46 points could survive. It's a mess, like the whole thing's a mess. It's been a mess. It's insane. I'm I'm kind of yeah. hoping for some kind of like for quite a niche reference here, but a Jimmy Glass style kind of survival on the final day for for just anyone. Hopefully not <laughs> against us, but at the same time, like I say, it's a bit of a bit of a dead rubber for us. We yeah, well, can... if it means nothing to you, I'd very much prefer it to be against you. <laughs> part part of me just is more worried about the meltdown if we get beat on Saturday because the meltdown last night and I, I I got involved in it as well but the meltdown when we lose I mean last night when I said it unacceptable um, it was it, we've had a problem the whole season where we started well and well since about January where we've gone 1-0 up and then for some reason Jack Ross seems to want to defend it there's been a few games where the other teams got one back and it's been waiting to happen what Fleetwood did to us last night, scoring in the last minute. Fleetwood weren't even that good. Well, they weren't very good, but it had to be the Joey Barton team that did that. So it's <laughs> like unacceptable. I'm not no. laughing at you. It's just that you're, the irony is funny. You know? the, the irony is fantastic. I mean, you could just see it coming. Like the guy's a grade A. I can't, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be kind. He's, he's not a nice guy. Um, but that, that's been our big problem this season. Um, but it, going back to Southend again, I come to think of it. I asked, you know, if you ever felt if you were safe when you came to the stadium. Alight, I remember being like, I remember looking at the table and thinking, oh, South End are about eighth or ninth. They could be going for the playoffs. So you have dropped pretty far, like, and you also lost the manager because of that. The thing with the manager that I found quite interesting because I, I followed all at sea for quite a while since like the original podcast, and I remember. Chris Powell seems quite a well-liked guy. He seems like quite a nice bloke. Is it kind of fly on the wall, like looking in at what your fanzine has been saying? Him being sacked, I wouldn't say it was an unpopular decision, but it didn't. I think most of you felt that it wasn't him that was the problem. Um, I think that he, I think that uh, Kevin Bond's decisions as manager have shown um, how difficult Powell's situation was. In my opinion, uh, what what happened was that the, it was divided originally into two, two schools of thought, which were that injuries were the real problem and Powell couldn't couldn't really do anything, and and Powell was a bad manager. And as our form continued to decline in the new year, uh, the group the latter group who just thought Powell wasn't very good just increased and increased and increased, and people stopped listening to the fact that, you know, our, um, when we played you, Ben Coker got injured, and he he's still he has still made the second or third most assists over the entire season from left-back oh, wow. um, with one game to play. Uh, the week before or the week after Tom Hopper got injured, they both had knee ligament injuries that put them out for the season, and that wasn't like... You know, one one of those injuries in a season is is bad enough. We had a winger from uh, Maidstone, I think it was, uh, got injured in uh, like either preseason or two games into the season. He was out for the season. We had two major knee injuries. 
Um, Jason Dimitriou is our right back. Uh, he suffered. Um, he was out for like four months as well. He's a Cypriot international. He's the captain. Harry Lennon, who was one of Powell's purchases from Charlton, broke his toe in the second game of the season. And then on his return from injury again in November, he broke his leg. Um, and what happened was Powell was suffering, as any manager would, with not anything that really he is in control of. We also had our goalkeeper sent off. We had Michael Kitely sent off uh, in both in the same game. So they missed that for, for violent conduct. So they missed three straight games. Then Oxley, who was our, who was our player of the year, was the goalkeeper. He had another injury, which saw him come out and a 19-year-old um, came in uh, for like a two-month period. So it's it's just been a constant mix of players coming in and players leaving and players coming in and players leaving and youth team players being the players to come in. And people criticise Powell for not being able to find a formula with an ever-changing starting eleven, players constantly being made available again, then either picking up injuries. Hyam, who we got from Ipswich over the summer, just can only really do about a game and a half before his hamstring goes or something, just little niggles. Just, you know, there has been no consistency, but that is not, in my opinion, that isn't through Powell's, that isn't through Powell's, um, uh, poor decision making. It has just been uh, he has to work with the resources that he has available to him. But what happened was that I think that I think that eventually the players grew tired. I mean, physically tired. They weren't able yeah. to exert themselves because the, the same. I don't know. At one point, we had fourteen players unavailable to us through injury. Right, that was that was the worst it got. But pretty consistently, it's been about seven or eight all season, which means you've got a squad of, you know. Instead of you've got a squad of like 23, 24, you've suddenly got a squad of 14 plus a few youth players doing all the work. And and people can't do that. These are professional athletes, yes, but they can't do that over a whole season. Um, and and I think I have a lot of sympathy. I have an enormous amount of sympathy for Powell. And the chairman's decision is essentially you get to um you get to march like he did, and the chairman, the chairman can either sack the manager or not. And when you're in charge of any organization, whether it's football or not, you you feel like you have to do whatever you can in order to keep that in order to because you're in charge, right? Yeah. And when we played Peterborough, we just turned in such a tepid tooth. We didn't have a shot on target. Um, we I tell a lie, we might have had one. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was just woeful. It was just hopeless and really like devoid of any spirit or fight or anything like that. And that and that was the point where I think that. You know, as much as anything, you just hope for that new manager bounce. I've got, I've got an enormous amount of sympathy for Powell. I think that he did as well as anyone could have done in the circumstances. Um, I don't think any sort of um, bollockings or any sort of like arm around the shoulder type treatment would have gotten any better or worse out of those players. I think he was, he remains, um, he remains liked by the fan base because after he went, everyone sort of went, well, yeah, he was dealt a bad hand there. Yeah. And, it, and and he was such a popular player that the fact that he didn't take us down, I think still leaves him some credit in the bank. In all honesty with you, if he were to return to manage the club, maybe under different ownership or under different circumstances, I don't know. But I actually don't think there'd be a huge amount of uproar. But but the the decision for him I don't know. I still feel I still feel conflicted about it, but I do understand I do understand why he was let go. It really did. It really did look hopeless after that Peterborough game. You talked about new manager bounce. It's something we know an awful lot, a lot about. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, Gus Poirier, Paolo Di Canio, Dick Advoca. Uh, they, they they all had all had that new manager bounce that kept us up in in the Premiership and kept got us to like seventeenth. The only one with any real success, or felt like it would have been any real success, was Sam Allardyce. Now, obviously, you've got Bond in, but when I, I've looked at your recent form, and it's quite weird. You've beaten Burton. You've lost. Well, they had nothing to play for, right? They published a, a, talking about the the relegation race, if you want to call it that. I suppose everyone seems to be wanting right to in the middle, aren't they? Um, but. The um, we we had like the average league position of all our opposition uh, f- five six weeks ago was the lowest of anybody in the relegation race. But actually, that's worked against us. The reason that we beat Burton is because they had nothing to play for because it was a dead rubber for them. They couldn't go up, and they were safe from going down. So we've managed everyone else that we've had. That scrap has been so dangerous for teams. That's why Plymouth have fallen, and why Scunthorpe have fallen, and why we've struggled to pick up points is because. We're playing teams who are scrapping, just like we're scrapping. At the same time, though, you, you you say that about Burton, but Burton actually tried their very best to help Sunderland get promoted by beating Barnsley um, like a few weeks ago. And, and and Burton have turned in some weird results, but I noticed you got beat off like Rochdale. They were definitely a team that are scrapping down there. But I mean, seen Rochdale twice this season, home and away, and, and then not much to write home about aside from Henderson. But you drew with Walsall, and Walsall have been rubbish for ages. So even if it was a dead rubber from Burton, you, you've got to ask, how do you go from beating a, a really good side in Burton, who got a draw at the Stadium of Light, beat us earlier in the season, have beat Barnsley only a few weeks ago, to like not beating Rochdale and, and, and Walsall? Like, is it, was it just, do you, do you put well, it down to the fact you felt it was a dead rubber for them that kind of didn't show up? Walsall was, uh, so Burton, I absolutely put down to it being a dead rubber. Burton in the first half didn't really come out of the blocks. Um, and and it was only, it was 3-2 at the end and 1-0 in the first half. And um, had we not have got that goal in the first half, it wouldn't have been the result that it was. Uh, Walsall was an abysmal display of refereeing. The referee that, refer- the, the referee that took the game at Walsall against us uh, was not given a game the subsequent week. Um, and I think that that's a, that's been a theme again, you know, like, like I talked about injuries earlier on, we've had, we've had four players in total miss the entire season through injury, um, from like October, November time. And we've had refereeing decisions all the way through the year that have really, really caused us a lot of problems. We played when we did play you again in October, November in, in, um, as, as autumn went into winter, um, Drew Yearwood took it past two players and was then cut down in the penalty area. Um, and that was that's a penalty in anyone's book. And we didn't get it. And, and it's just been the 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 quality of refereeing. The, the top two divisions have professional referees. And occasionally those those referees will drop down. We've got one. I think we've got one this weekend. I think we've got a, a pool two referee. So we've got a professional for our game this weekend. But the the general standard of officiating is poor. And I don't mean like Sunday League poor where they stand in the centre circle and sort of guess. I mean, <laughs> they have they have a good line of sight and they consistently, they are influenced by crowds and they are influenced by the players around them. And they're just weak professionals. Um, so bad at this level. I mean, that's yeah. one thing that's. I mean, I thought they were bad last year. I mean, don't get me wrong. We don't want to be. I don't want to be one of those fantastic. We're so used to brilliant refereeing in the Premiership. We we really weren't. Yeah. Um. They would be biased towards. I would feel they would be biased towards the top six. But then, 
the championship felt like really poor when it came down. Coming down to League One, it, it's it is it's guesswork. They yeah, just it, is, and it's just... it is. And actually, what happened? That was what happened when we played Walsall because we were. Um, we sc- I think we scored in the second half and we, you know, m- minutes left, seconds left, 92nd, 93rd minute. And the guy gives a penalty for, and I've watched the replay half a dozen times and I can't, I can't tell you what that penalty is for. I cannot understand what, how he's impeded um, Otty, who is the Walsall player. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And you, and you can watch it from whatever angles you want. He gave one of our players two yellow cards in that game. You know, sometimes you see players where you just wish they could be subbed off after 20 minutes because you know if they stay on for the entire game, they're going to have a, a, an entire season's worth of mistakes in 90 minutes and it's going to happen in front of you. <laughs> yes. And sometimes referees are like that as well. And we just had one in those in that game against Walsall. We played, we've had a lot of, um, I don't know, sometimes it's bad luck, sometimes it's poor judgment. We played Blackpool. The, the first game Blackpool had after they'd successfully separated themselves from the Oysters at Bloomfield Road was to play us. Again, oh, you know, yeah. like just luck of the fixture list that we've come up against. You either come up against teams who sat their manager and win the next game. We've had that a couple of times. I feel like we've had that a couple of times. Like everything that could have gone wrong for us this year seems to have gone wrong. Um, the league table doesn't lie, but it might not necessarily tell the whole truth either. And we played, <laughs> and we played Blackpool and we were 2-1 up. And we have a we have a a deep cross into the box, and the guy and Taylor Moore, who's on loan from Bristol City, just sticks it past the goalkeeper into our own net, and a Blackpool have a pitch invasion, and it's just these moments in like the final two seconds of games, and really, yeah, I mean, you know what it's like with with late winners or late defeats, it just knocks the wind out of you completely. You've got no time to come back. Oh, nothing hugely. like that. and things like that Walsall game, it's just a sucker punch because. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, that's just football, isn't it? That's just football. Yeah, we we have been we've been inconsistent, and, and as much as anything, that's what leads me to think that a, a, a draw is probably on the cards. Maybe this weekend depends on how much of an effort you you guys put in, because it's very unlikely we'll keep a clean sheet. Very, very unlikely. So we'll probably need to score two to get anything out of any game we play in at this point, and it just depends on how generous you guys are feeling. Well, apparently very generous if yesterday's anything to go by. Going through your team, obviously there is one person that stands out a lot from a Sunderland perspective, which is Michael Turner. Um, mm-hmm. Pleased to see that he has lost none of his pace. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the big one for me, and especially statistically, as well as like knowing the person's name and knowing what he's what level he's played at, Poxy Simon Cox. Yeah, yeah. yeah, most definitely. He's been your standout player for a couple of seasons now. How important is he to your survival bid on Saturday? Uh, he he has done a tremendous job considering he's spent most of the season playing up front on his own. Yeah, he's, uh, he plays up like front on his own for weeks and he's about five foot six or something like that. Yeah, he's, he's a real link man. He likes to drop deep. He likes to work with the midfield. He likes to drag defenders out of position. He likes to create space for midfielders. He's a really, really intelligent player. And actually, if the ball falls to him in the box... Um, you wouldn't bet your house on him scoring, but he's going to hit the target. You know, he's going to make the goalkeeper mm-hmm. work. He's a really, he's a really, really good, intelligent player. He's calm. Um, he's he's pretty ruthless, and he's uh, he's really been. If we if we stay up, um, a lot of the a lot of the credit for that will fall at his feet. Um, there's no real other content. Other players have have been good in fits and starts, but we we're all doing our player of the year votes like every club at the minute, and he'll win it if he doesn't win it. 
um, I'll I'll move to France or something like that. I I don't. Well, I don't know why I said that. That's not a bad thing. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind living in France. That's a bad bad suggestion. But you see what I mean? Like I just can't believe he wouldn't win it. Not sure um, the Brexit votes wouldn't be a bad shout at all. Yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> he's um yeah he's a he's he's been really really good this year. Really really good and really consistent. And and like you like like you said, he's he's a he's a short bloke. Um, he's worked really well with Hopper at the beginning of the season. Um, until he got injured and then Humphreys came in and Humphrey was has scored better than one in two, I think, or about one in two with Cox as well as the strike partnership. So he's he's able to get the best out of the players around him. Um yeah, he's played he's played really well this year. Uh it it he he got a hat trick against Portsmouth when we played on TV um back in March, I think. I remember that. Um, yeah, yeah, real turnaround in that game. Um, real turnaround. Uh, so he's he's the danger man. He's he's the danger man. Um, I, we can't really see where all the other goals are going to come from. Kitely, pretty inconsistent. You would say he's probably based on how he's been this season. When he has been fit, he's been past his best. Stephen McLaughlin, um, again, sort of in and out of the team this year. Pretty pretty inconsistent um, on his day can be a can be a pretty good player but he's really really not had a very good year at all um, Mantum who we have got from Scunthorpe in the summer has pitched in with like four or five goals but really nothing more than that um, it's difficult uh, yeah that that's been the main reason it's been difficult to win games it's just you, just, you don't know where the goals are coming from you just you just can't you can't uh, identify where the threats are going to be but Coxie's probably about it for you guys so when we're looking at sort of Sunderland's perspective of Sunderland, I'm hoping you're going to cheer me up a little bit here. Um, from the outside looking in, what have you made of Sunderland's season? I think having seen having seen what Sheffield United have struggled with in the past few years, I think you're probably about where I expected you to be, uh, which is you know in in the top four is is about right. The uh, what that documentary on Netflix is is really really interesting and really really um i I, sh- I won't laugh but i will say that knowing that you guys get relegated and watching the entire thing as as everyone tries to not get relegated and then you know yeah. it's going to get worse um i think that i think this has been a real chance for you to regroup as a club and regroup as a, a club that connects to the community and really sort of disassociate yourselves from putting sticking plaster on top of sticking plaster on top of sticking plaster and just patching a squad together every six months, getting a new manager in. They all get two or three players. It's been a really good opportunity for you to strip out the dead wood. Someone like Honeyman, you know, a local lad who just wants the club to do well. Do you know what I mean? It's, 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 yeah. a, it's a nice story. I don't think people would grudge I don't think people people don't want to play Sunderland because it doesn't feel fair people don't want to play Portsmouth and Sheffield United because it doesn't feel like a fair cop people turn up at Barnsley or Luton or other clubs in this or Rotherham next year and they'll feel like they want to have a go they won't want to play they, they don't want to play clubs like you because it feels like a cup tie every time the yeah. pressures aren't the pressures on our players I think that you yeah you guys have had a good year but but you know like getting getting stuck in this division unless you get straight back out it can become a bit of a quagmire um wolves did it a few years ago uh leeds were down here for a while mind you that was like 10 years ago now um leeds were down here for a while um i think norwich came straight back up when they got relegated to league 1 you've got you've got to get out of it really you've got to get out of it and you will have a role like you say at the beginning the the playoffs are a lottery and then who have you got you got um 
Portsmouth and Charlton, and then is it Donny or Peterborough, the other? Don, Donny or Peterborough, pretty much. I, I think probably Donny, but it, and everyone's quite nervous about the playoffs because Sunderland haven't won at Wembley in, in six goals, and we're, we're not that great at the playoffs. In fact, we, we aren't good at the playoffs, but Portsmouth, we lost in the checker trade on penalties. We lost against them 3-1 at Fratton Park, but they only scored after we went down to 10 men. We drew with them at home. Bit of a bogey team for us this season, but we beat Doncaster home and away without conceding. Uh, we beat Charlton at home and we drew away from home. So realistically, with 11 men, we actually haven't lost against any of the teams that could play against us in the playoffs. Even Peterborough, we drew We drew twice. It's just, I think its current form is so poor. I think we've picked up six points in the last possible 18. Don't, I could be wrong with that, but it's something along that line and our inability to hold a lead has been pretty poor. We, we've had a few years in the playoffs when we were down in League Two. I think we had two unsuccessful playoff campaigns and then one successful um, about four years ago, 2015 it was. Yeah, four years ago. So um, we've we've been there and done that. And, and form, a lot of people think the form team coming into the playoffs is the team that's going to do it. And that isn't necessarily true. We played Burton. Um, we played Burton a few years ago in the playoffs, and that was horrible. They had Rowett as their manager then, and they oh, were just—he's—he's yeah. oh, he's a git man. He's like one mm-hmm. of the like to see him get sacked from Stoke. I had no sympathy because if you watch Gary Rowett's Burton Albion at in Burton, um, I consider that a badge in the in the reign of the playoff in the playoff semis. I consider that a real badge of honor on my in my. Um, but he uh, yeah it's he had a very organized team and they had a game plan and they kept things tight and actually the playoffs are a bit like a penalty shootout they're a they're almost as much as anything they're a test of nerve the season the season ends and you are where you are and if you're in the playoffs you then hold your nerve you are nearly there you're not quite you deserve to be in with a shout but you're not quite there right you're not quite good enough but you get a second chance and it's about being brave and it's about holding your nerve and it's a test of decision making it's a test and it's a test of do you know as a footballer when to play it safe and when to take that risk and that is the measure of a team that gets promoted because generally teams that get promoted have good decision-making players. You don't very, very rarely will teams get promoted by accident. You know, Derby in, what was it, 2005 or whatever it was, you know, when they got came back, came straight back down. You know, yes. that's probably one of the few examples I can think of a team that probably shouldn't have been there in the first place getting there. But everybody else gets promoted because they deserve it, because their points hall was good enough to put them in that part of the table. And the playoffs... I think my my uh, crumb of comfort, and hopefully if I can lift your spirits here, I would say don't worry about form. Don't worry about anything like that because the whole thing resets. The whole thing doesn't matter. You will have 30-odd thousand fans at your home game and you will have and you will fill out your away allocation like you have done at South End this weekend coming. And then you don't need to worry about it. And then Wembley is just a one-off game of that. It's about nerve. It's about who can be brave and who can be calm and who can make the right decisions. And it, it, it pro- like, any, like anyone has a tough day at work, right, in their day job, it's the hard days where at the end of it, you sit down and you exhale and you think, yeah, I did that. I got through it. And that is the, it's that, like, it's that that the players are going to need in order to get them over the line here. And the teams that have the team that has more of that, so that can that feeling can come through form. It gives you that confidence, but 
you can get it from other places as well. And, you know, you, you guys, you, you have a very, very good chance here, a very good chance. And, you know, I, I believe you should be congratulated for getting to where you are in the division. It's been a very tough year. Barnsley, Barnsley have played us three times this year. They're, they're an outrageously good side. And Lincoln, very good. Despite, Link, uh, not Lincoln, sorry, Luton, despite losing their manager, have been scoring goals for fun. You know, they're two very good sides this year and, and coming third or, or fourth or wherever you might finish um, behind them is, is no shame. One thing I want, did want to ask, and we spoke about it a little bit off air beforehand. Um, as I said, I'm very much in the Jack Ross in camp, um, but there, there's a lot of disgruntlement because we haven't achieved our match promotion. We, our, our form's got gradually worse about Jack Ross. Um, straightforward, straight out question from a complete neutral perspective. How do you find a, a, more than a minority these days of Sunderland fans wanting Jack Ross out? What's your thoughts on that? You, uh, you would be idiotic to do that as you approach the playoffs. Um, Derek Adams has been sacked by Plymouth uh, with one game to go. And in my opinion, they have the best chance of anyone in that area to get promoted. Sun, uh, Scunthorpe's form is awful. Plymouth play them. I think Plymouth are at home, but I'm, I'm happy to be corrected on that. And Plymouth probably have the best chance. To disrupt the squad like that, unless there's some sort of dressing room disharmony, there, will, there is no benefit whatsoever of going into two games that will do, you know our, the game against us from your perspective is a dead rubber right you're guaranteed the playoffs yeah so pretty much. you then have two games to save your seat not save your season you have two games to still achieve your objective and then after that you have another game to achieve your objective so in my opinion you would be if if you would if you were running any other company right you wouldn't get if you were running a restaurant and you didn't make enough money halfway through a saturday shift on a Saturday night and you were the head chef, you wouldn't fire, you wouldn't, you were running the restaurant, you wouldn't fire your head chef and try and get a new one in at like nine o'clock on a Saturday night. It would be, it would be silly. It would be, everyone would look at you and go, why have you done that? What difference do you think this is going to make? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, in my opinion, it serves no purpose to change the bloke whose job it is to direct the football team, not the club, but the team, and the players, people forget this so much. The players are the ones that win the game. The manager is there to manage the players, but the players are the ones on the pitch. The players are the ones scoring the goals and making the mistakes and keeping clean sheets. And so, so sacking, in my opinion, uh, as a neutral, sacking Jack Ross would make no sense to me whatsoever. No sense. You may very well not get promoted this year, or you might get promoted this year, but it seems so stupid. So it would. It seems very silly to me to roll the dice when you're so close to achieving your objective. It doesn't matter how you go up. It doesn't matter whether you go up as champions or if you finish, what is it, sixth or seventh or whatever the final playoff spot is and win it. You know, if it cannons in off someone's ass in injury time at Wembley, how on it would, who cares? It doesn't matter. You just, you want to go up. So, um, yeah, I, you know, changing the manager, I, yeah, it just seems, it seems like a baffling decision for me. But then... I'm not at the stadium of light uh, 23 times a season. One thing I would probably say, because I agree with you for this, I 100% agree with you, actually. Um, I definitely think this question that you'd be asking definitely needs to learn things, but he's a young manager. He is a young. He will, he, he will be learning week on week on week, and he needs to learn a bit faster, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But do, do you think 
there's an element of and I could be wrong here and people might think I'm calling them out and I'm really not, but the level of negativity that seems to be around something at the moment is quite huge. It, it, it feels pretty toxic for the first time in a, a long while, um, this season anyway. And I feel like there's a lot of negativity towards the playoffs. You can hear it in my voice. I feel quite negative towards it. Do you think that even discussing sacking Jack Ross or discussing even like Jack Ross getting sacked after the playoffs, just based on the hunch that we think we might not get into it, and we, sorry, you might not win it. Sorry, is a little bit. We should be a little bit. How do I describe this? We should be having a little bit more about ourselves. Saying, right, we've got the game against Southend. Let's win that. Then let's get into the playoffs. Let's get everyone behind the manager, the team. Like, do you find it a bit crazy that people are even discussing it? No, I when don't. we could still go. No, up? I don't, because I think that the expectations for Sunderland in the third division of English football should be promotion and. The, and, and Ross isn't an idiot. He knows that. He would have taken the job or he would have interviewed for the job knowing that that was the aim um, or the objective or whatever you call it. Um, he, you know, he knows that. He's not an idiot. But sometimes, as I say, the players are the ones on the pitch. You know, you need in the same... Solskjaer is finding this at United. He's got a lot of players there that don't really care what happens. But he does. You can see it from the way he gave all those press conferences. He knows he has been a Manchester United player and he knows what it's like. And Sunderland are a are a historic football club, an enormous football club in the history of English football. And the fans have every right to remind the manager that if you do not meet the expectations of this grand old football club, that then we will find someone else who can. And I think the discussions are probably, given your recent form, I think the discussions are probably fair. But I, my opinion, as a, as I've already said, is that the the you're so close. What you've said about learning lessons—that's for the closed season, and that is for if we'd have had a winter break, then it would have been for the winter break. And what you do is you sit. You know, all these all these teams are professional these days. They will sit down on Mondays or Tuesdays when they're back to work, um, or, or Sundays for some of them. And they will sit down and they'll analyse the game that's gone through the weekend and they will learn lessons. And I know it seems more frustrating from your perspective now that you're getting worse at the end of the season rather than better. But these, this, this idea of continuous improvement is, is what professionalism is about. And Sunderland are a professional football club. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't get Sunderland promoted, he, has, he will have to defend, he will have to you know, he will be held accountable by the board and he will have to explain why the club didn't get promoted. And it might very well be that he has to have a similar sort of conversation um, as Powell might have done if he had seen it to the end of the season where he says, well, you know, we had that, we would have had that refereeing decision against Walsall or we had these players get injured. There are individual moments that can change your entire season. When it comes down to like a point here or two points there or even goal difference for some clubs, yeah, you have to, you have to explain yourself. But he's, yeah, I think, I, so I think that, I think that he probably is in a position where people sh- could be making a noise and people should be making a noise and reminding him. And, and as I say, the players as well, reminding them that the expectation at Sunderland is, is high, very high um, when, when you're in this division, when you're in this um, tier of English football. But, but um, I, yeah, I, I think the idea of getting rid of him with with as with uh, one league game to go when you're guaranteed a playoff spot as I, as i've said already i think is um a bit silly 
So finally, I don't know whether you want to do this. Normally, it's quite a straightforward thing to ask, but considering the enormity of it for Southend and yourself, predictions um, for Saturday, what, what are we thinking? What, 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 how's it going to go for Southend? Um, I believe we have not won a game. Oh, we've won. Have we won? I think we've won one game where at home this season where we have conceded a goal. So if you score, we won't win is essentially as far as I'll go with the prediction. I, I can't, you know, it will, a lot of it from our perspective is what team is Ross going to put out? Does he accept, he's, he said in the paper today because our local reporter, Chris Phillips has um, retweeted something from the Sunderland Echo saying Ross is going to put out the strongest team that he's got available. You've said that McGeady is nursing a foot injury and I think, um, uh, Wyke is is he injured or did he miss some of uh, some of last night's game or something? So Wyke Wyke didn't get included in the squad at all yesterday, and it was Greg, and then he got replaced by Kaziah Sterling. But I, I think he was just resting him, whereas McGeady um, has been playing with a broken bone in his foot since like Accrington a couple of weeks ago. I think he needed to play out of necessity, and now that he, well, I mean, technically we could have still been automatically promoted if we won both games 4-0 and Barnsley and Portsmouth lost all their games which you've got to look like that as a as a, a manager I think but he he didn't play McGeady yesterday I think he's resting him for the playoffs to be honest because he has got a broken bone in his foot and he has done for a while yeah it depends on um it depends on the crowd we got the biggest crowd for for um two and a half years coming to the game since December 2016 uh mm-hmm. coming to the game this weekend and last, uh, the game against Burton, they really, really got behind them. What what you see at what you see at Roots Hall is um, if we don't if we don't start well, we need to really get a goal after between fifteen and twenty minutes. Certainly in the first twenty five minutes, if not the home crowd start the murmurs start and you know and then they start to get on the players' backs. If you can keep it if you can keep it tight for the first twenty five minutes and then probably the first ten minutes of the second half. Um, it just depends on whether you guys score or not. It just depends on how how much you want to win by or how much you how much you want to win a dead rubber. Um, we we will be very lucky to get a result against you. Um, I th- I think that we 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 could fight for a draw, and then we're relying on none of Walsall or Plymouth and Plymouth and Scunthorpe being a draw and Walsall play Shrewsbury and then we'd be relying on Walsall to drop points. There's a lot, there's a lot to ask. It is a real lottery. Um, I haven't, I haven't got a clue. I have not got a clue. <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, uh, the, the odds, despite us not being in the relegation zone because Plymouth and Scunthorpe play each other, the winner of that basically stays up. So I would put, I would put us as favourites to go down in the grand scheme of things. Um, but I re- football has a funny way of, of being cruel for a long time and then being very kind, like a sort of, um, like an American treating an Iraqi prisoner of war. You know, you just don't know what you're going to get. It's just, it can be really <laughs> horrible sometimes. <laughs> and then you get a brief moment of respite and then it all comes crashing down on you again. Yes. And it feels even worse. So I've it got, does. I've got absolutely no idea. I'm sorry, mate. I, I, can't I can't pick one. I, I'll go because we've had about fifteen of them this season. Fourteen, I think, if I'm right. I'm I'm going to go for one-one, um, which isn't much help to either of us, really. But um, 
thanks for popping on, Liam. Actually, really enjoyed that crack. Um, the people listening are probably pleased that I shut up for once and let you speak. <laughs> um, but really quite interesting to see how in our current predicament and the way we feel how different it really can be. And I mean, you're in fourth, man. <laughs> I know, I know. That's what I mean. That, 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 that it, it really, hopefully, it brings some stuff. It brings some reality home a little bit. I think because um, I'm, I'm, I'm as sad as the rest of us. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not happy as Larry either. But um, we've still got a, a playoff that we can win there. Uh, whereas you, it could be anything for you on on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It could be bloody anything, and it's been like that all season. But Liam, good luck um, in right. standing up and stuff like that. I hope by some way we don't send you down because I quite liked you and I don't like that. Um, I enjoyed having you on, but I suppose at the same time, I always want to see my team win three points and I'm sure you won't begrudge me of that. Um, but hopefully, maybe, maybe not, if we're still in League One through no fault of our own, hopefully somehow we, we see you again next season, Liam, all right? Yeah, of, of sorts. That's a weird thing to wish, isn't it, at the end of the day? In a really I'm weird like, way, yeah. Because, yeah, I guess what you're saying is you hope we don't go down. But I don't want to say that because then I'm saying, like, I hope you don't get promoted. So I'm I'm going <laughs> to... I'm gonna I'm gonna respectfully disagree with you on that. I, I yeah. wish I wish you all the luck. Um, you know, playoffs foot football for this for this year has shown shown us that luck plays an enormous part, an enormous part that I think people disregard sometimes. So I, I wish you um, as much as is remaining in the universe. Yes, I think I, I think I'm disagreeing with myself the more I think about it because there's no way to win that <laughs> argument. No way to win that argument. What I was trying to say was I liked having you on as a guest, pretty much. Thanks, but there you yeah, go. Appreciate that. Here's what it is. But um, look after yourself, Steve. Thanks very much. Take it easy. Thank you. Take it easy, chap. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDag, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDag is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDag, the 2% commission exchange. Over-18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.